The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. To the house, This is unbelievable. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. We are live on your podcast device. We are live, multi-platform excellence on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash cover three. It's an easy channel to remember. It is the name of the podcast. Uh, That's the way you can see all of our beautiful faces. And of course, uh, check us out. We've been on CBS Sports HQ almost every afternoon. We will be on Thursday and Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, We've got Danny Cannell, Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. It's Thursday. You know exactly what we do on Thursdays. That's why you're here. It is time to look ahead to our week six locks. Before we uh, dive in, lock it up, start to break down an absolutely loaded slate, quick review lessons from the week. Tom, you went five and two. Uh, what were the big takeaways from, uh, from the winning week? That's got you now 15 and 13 and one overall. Uh, the big takeaway was that always make sure you shop around, get an early, get an early number, get a good number because Navy Air Force finished with 47 points. But by the time we recorded the locks pot on Thursday, the show was down to 46 and a half. Although, Chip, I know you had it at 47 and a half in real life and I got it at 48 and a half when it first posted. But the bigger lesson is that no matter how slow of a start you're off to, just, you know, keep doing what you're doing and trust the process because it'll turn around eventually. Barton Simmons in fuego seven and one a lock fight win and the only loss uh was our unity on north carolina minus 13 and a half i mean like i mean do you you have any lessons like what are the positive takeaways what are you trying to bring into this next week as tom has taught me stick to the process you know a lot of jokes were flying around this podcast when your boy started out zero and three I don't hear. I don't hear as much laughing now. <laughs> Eighteen and twelve uh, overall. That is the uh, the new the new overall leader on the season, sitting on the pole. Barton Simmons. Eighteen and twelve. I went four and three. Uh, we had wins in uh, the Lock Unity win, Auburn, Georgia. You know, wins on the TCU. Oh, basically, never a doubt. 
I I would say that I'm adjusting some of my Clemson expectations, and we've gotten some great insight from uh, Anna Hickey uh, in a deep dive on Clemson earlier in the week. Make sure that you go and subscribe to, or make sure you go and listen to that before you make your own decisions. In addition to, you know, if anybody does decide to to lay a lock on the line, so four and three on the week, eighteen and fourteen overall for the season. Danny, three and four on the week. You take a. Have we decided who's Maverick and who's Iceman? By the way. <laughs> Danny's Iceman. Okay. No, Danny's right. Iceman. Danny's I was the a shirt off. Like, yeah. yeah, he was a shirt. That, like, that's the Iceman look. Okay. Yeah. So Dan- Danny Iceman takes an L in the Maverick Iceman battle uh, in that Florida-South Carolina game. Three and four, though, still 16 and 15 on the season. Uh, any any lessons learned from the, uh, the last week's slate? I do think that uh, Iceman and Maverick together uh, are a stronger force, and I like it better when we're taking on Russia together. Uh, than going opposed to each other. Nothing really positive comes out of that. So I'm going to beware there. The other thing, I'm falling out of love with Florida versus the spread. I was really liking them uh, uh, two weeks early in the season. The other thing is, I just, and I mentioned on Monday, one of the worst beats I've ever had. I'm getting way too emotional with some of these. The TCU Texas under 63, which was a winner. And then the Big 12 put out an official release that said it was an incorrect call. Should have been an untimed down. Game would have been over. I would have won. I'm still bitter about that. I was going to try to send an email to my sports book and I was going <laughs> to petition the committee here to see if you change my win or my loss to a win. But I can already see Tom shaking his head. Don't be crying. So I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to get back on the horse and keep plugging away. You just keep scanning your ticket to see if it yep. like gives you a different <laughs> it magically changes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe I read it wrong. Maybe it was 65. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, y'all ready to lock it up? Yep. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Since 2005, when Service Academy's Come locked. get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks. I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right, Barton Simmons. You are uh, the reigning. You've got the honors on the tee box, and you also have the lead in the season standings. Uh, where do you want to start things as we look ahead to the week? Okay, first, um, a disclaimer. I, I felt really good last week. I, I loved the slate. Uh, went heavy. I, I, I will say I'm not quite as confident this week, so I don't know if I'm expecting another 7-1 kind of card. But I'll start out with you can, you can play the horns, Chip. There you go. All right. The number, the total is what? Where are we at? 43? Uh, What's the the biggest number you can get? Yeah, we can get you 43 and a half. All right. Give me the under on 43 and a half, Tennessee, Georgia. I think (laughs) this game could go a few different ways. I mean, I guess Tennessee could pull the upset. Uh, I guess Georgia could blow them out. I I don't see a shootout. Um, and I think that both teams, and as I've been talking through this game all week, and as I've been, you know, having different podcasts, different videos, different writings, like this, the way these teams match up, they, they, they they're both going to be very satisfied continuing to just, have a rock fight and just, you know, the, the, the game is, doesn't need to be a, 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 a 
up and down the field sort of matchup for either team to be happy. So I think you got Jarek Guarantano, who is, and Bud Elliott was just in our Slack room popping off some uh, passing down stats for Jarek Guarantano. Not, they're not good. I think George is going to keep Tennessee behind the chains or, or, or off schedule. I think that when they get off schedule, there's, I don't know how many successful opportunities they're going to be able to generate. I think they'll play conservative, try to stay in this game. I think Georgia, conversely, will play conservative as well. This still looks like the Stetson Bennett show. Uh, and I think that even if this thing, like, gets – even if, if Georgia – like, the one thing that I could see happening, that I think there is a scenario where Georgia just stomps them, just does what it did to Auburn last week. But even in that case, I think you're looking at a similar score to the Auburn game. Like, that never sniffed the, the, the over. We thought it was in the first half – but in typical Georgia fashion, they slowed it down. Um, the, the, you know, there is the Alabama's awaiting next week for Georgia. So mm. how much are they going to really try to be like putting the foot on the gas deep in the fourth quarter? So I just think any way I look at this game, I, I, I'm not seeing points. So give me the under. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Iceman and Maverick on the same side. I love it. Last week, I gave you the stat on Georgia unders. They have moved up. It was 12-2. and two. Now it is 13-2 and two since the start of last season. That's the highest rate in the FBS. They're 9-1 on the unders in conference play. That's 90%. Tennessee on the other side has hit their under in six of their last seven games. I love this one, too. I think this is going to be – I'm going to go ahead and add – Where's Georgia at right now? What's my number right now? Oh, I had it at 12 earlier. I'll take it at 12 and a half still. I'll lay the 12 and a half with Georgia. I think this is going to be a domination. I really do. And I think it could look similar to the Auburn game, but even maybe more impressive um, from, from Georgia. Tennessee, everyone's excited about this Tennessee eight-game win streak, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm diving into it. I'm like, all right, let's see, how, let, let's see what this is all about. So they've beaten South Carolina and Missouri twice last year and this year in that eight-game win streak, plus Vanderbilt, UAB, and Indiana. I, it just, for me, I look at them like, I, I, don't, I don't buy it yet with Tennessee. They got to show me a lot more better versus better competition um, than what I've seen. Uh, Georgia, in their last eight games versus Tennessee, has scored 30-plus uh, in each of their last eight versus Tennessee. Tennessee has scored 26 points combined in their last three matchups versus Georgia. I still think this is a lopsided matchup. I know Tennessee is excited. It's a good good barometer for them. But I think when they come out of this game, they're going to look and see, man, we still have a long way to go to be able to compete with that team. Tom, you got anything on it? Ooh. Fight. 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 The over guy. No, I'll see. That's the thing. Am I am I taking the over or am I taking Tennessee? You're, you're definitely do- taking oh, Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking Tennessee plus 12 and a half. And Barton, you highlighted a lot of the reasons why I feel like Tennessee is the right side to be on in this spread, because I agree with you. I think that this is going to be a lower scoring defensive affair. I look at the quarterbacks and I don't see two terrific quarterbacks. I see two guys that are more of a game manager. Don't screw it up. The J. 
Jake Fromm types, which people you said earlier this week, people thought you meant as an insult or you meant it as, you know, no, he's filling his role. And I think both Stetson Bennett and Jarrett Grantano fill that same role where they're not asked to do a whole lot. Just don't screw up. And I think we're going to see that kind of situation on Saturday in this game. And you also mentioned how Georgia's got Alabama coming up. And I don't think that this is going to be a look ahead spot where they get caught sleeping and get upset, nor does this seem like a game to be where I think Georgia's ever really going to be threatened or feel like it's in trouble. I think it's going to be in that 10 point kind of lead for most of the game throughout. But I do think that in a lower scoring affair where the first to 24 points might win the game and that that might be all anybody gets. If I can get 12 and a half points in that kind of game, I'm going to take the 12 and a half points. So I think George is going to win, but I think that this is like a 24 to 16 kind of game. So I'll take 12 and a half points. I don't want any part of it, but I love every bit of it. Like it's, it is a game that uh, I, I do hope it is the rock fight. I do hope that it is a, a very, very gentlemanly affair, you know, as, as we're just out there playing field position, but like, I don't know, man, Stetson Bennett fourth, he might, might kind of carve Tennessee up in this game. If anything, I might lean the dogs and the points, but uh, I'm, I'm not touching it. So uh, a lot of action on the board already, and I absolutely love it. Uh, all right, well, I'm, I'll, I'll, take the, uh, I'll, I'll take the reins here. We're going to Chapel Hill for uh, what would have been the ACC Coastal Game of the Week as North Carolina plays Virginia Tech. Uh, North Carolina is being way overhyped, way overrated with that little number eight beside their name. They played two disjointed games. But one thing that North Carolina has done pretty well is uh, is run the football. Javante Williams, Michael Carter, it's a good one-two punch. They also have the most deceiving rushing defense stats maybe in the entire country because you're sorting and you're like, man, look at North Carolina. They got the best run defense in the ACC. That's where it starts. They're going to be a perfect answer to this Virginia Tech offense that has been cooking with Khalil Herbert. The two offenses that North Carolina has faced Boston College and Syracuse ranked number 13 and 14 in the ACC in rushing offense. They have not had a step up in competition at all. I think Virginia Tech is going to be able to move the ball, but I also think that North Carolina is going to be able to uh, score as well. And so as I'm looking at this one, I mean, it is very, very clear to me that this game is going to be dumb. This game is going to have some explosive plays. And so I'm going to be locking up the over 59 and a half in North Carolina, Virginia Tech. I had this on my big sheet, like my, my games in the margin. And... I think one of the last things you said there is why I'm not playing it. This game is going to be dumb. Yeah. This game is going to be – it's not going to make a lot of sense. Um, whatever the final outcome is, I'm, we're not going to be really sure. How, like, you'll have to really reverse engineer it to, to like figure out how things happened. Uh, so I'm staying away. But I think my, my lean would have been Virginia Tech for some of the things you alluded to, just sort of like, wait, how did, how did North Carolina get to this point? Like, what do we really know about North Carolina – and Virginia Tech, I think, is I mean, they, they've not that they've got some uh, bulletproof resume to this point themselves, but I, I think that they they seem like a team that that knows who they are, and, and especially with them getting a quarterback back in Hinton Hooker. So um, I like your side of this. And my lean would be Virginia Tech. I agree with you on that. My lock is the over because it's going to be. I mean, 
Mac Brown iced his own kicker last year in this game. There were four overtimes. I don't think we're going to need four overtimes to be able to hit this uh, over, but I think we'll get it done in regulation. But I just I look at it, and Justin Fuentes 4-0 against North Carolina. They've covered a couple of those spreads in recent years. And so, like, if you're going to give me five points, which is what you're sitting at right now, and I'm thinking about all the likely outcomes – like a, a Virginia Tech outright win, I think, is a potential outcome. A Virginia Tech cover North Carolina win is a potential outcome. North Carolina, cl- so North Carolina blowout win seems like the least likely outcome. So it lean Virginia Tech in the points. But again, I just, just in case this is like a, a one touchdown, Sam, for, what's it, fourth quarter Sam Howell? That fourth quarter, Sam Howell could come back and crush you. So I'm, I'm just going to go with the over because that feels like the safest play here. Are you worried at all about weather? Because weather could be a massive impact across the country, especially the southeast portion with this, uh, you know, Delta Hurricane Delta issue that's coming through. We're calling it the remnants of Delta. The remnants of Delta is a great album title for like later in your career. But yeah, remnants of Delta does concern me for Sam Howell. But that's why I also wanted to also point out Javante Williams and Michael Carter. I think that they can spring some big runs too. So give it to me at uh, 59 and a half. All right. We're waiting on Tom to get back as he got knocked off something internet related. I I feel a little bit um, like like that's a a faux pas to talk weather without Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how could you do that to our boy? Like, you have to run that back. I want a full, I want a full weather report from Fernelli when he gets back Yeah, this on. is a big weekend, too, for this. Like, this is one where you really got to pay attention to where you are. Rain, uh, if, it, again, I, I'm not trying to uh, steal his thunder here, but if I remember correctly, rain doesn't actually have an over-under impact because you're equally as likely to have, like, players slipping and missing tackles. And, you know, so defensive back falls down in coverage, Right. It's really the 10 to 15 mile an hour crosswinds that impacts the kicking game and the passing attack. Correct. Coach Bowden, pregame, anytime there was a weather game and you're feeling a little bit, oh, what are we going to do offensively? He'd be like, hey, you have the advantage. You know which way you're cutting, which way you're supposed to run. That Therefore, you'd have better balance, better focus on where you're supposed to go. Defense reacts. They're the ones that are slipping and falling. Uh. Hey, all right. Yeah, got him back. (laughs) Tom Fernelli heard that people were talking about weather without him, and he said, you sons of you-know-whats, you can't talk about weather without me. All right, what'd I miss? All right, so how much of the impact of the remnants of Delta are we taking across the entire Southeast as we look at Saturday's slate? Uh, Not too much, honestly, because, you know, as – we talked about with wonder conditions chip weather matters too and it's not just the wind it is also the temperature and a lot of these games are being played in warmer as well as wet conditions and wet conditions can sometimes sometimes lead to you know wet turfs which could sometimes lead to defenders falling down so when it comes to wonders we are typically looking for wind but not much else. Cooler temperatures, gray skies, sunny skies. It doesn't matter, although the sun does help power the wind, but you don't really want a lot of rain. So it's having an impact in some spots, but it's not having as much of an impact as you might think. Right. The dream wonder scenario is sunny, 15 mile an hour crosswinds in Manhattan, Kansas. 
You know, yes. that's that's in a noon kick. That's there, really what you want. Like, there are no hills, mountains, or buildings to get in the way. That wind has a very long runway to build up steam and get in there and just wreak havoc on the ball. All right, so North Carolina, Virginia Tech, over 59 and a half. Uh, where do you all want to go? Who's, who's, who's feeling antsy? Who's feeling good? Well, why, why don't I uh, jump in here because I have a Friday night play. I don't know if anybody has a Thursday or Friday night play other than me. Am I the only one? The Scott Satterfield apologist has logged on for Circle the Wagons <laughs> week. <laughs> Scott Satterfield <laughs> is due to give me a winner. Yes. So let's go ahead. Lay. Let's see. What, what did we do? Yeah, lay the points. It was four and a half? Four? You might be able to get four. Okay. Uh, Maybe four and a half. Get, no, four and a half. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, Louisville uh, minus four. Malik Cunningham uh, sounds like he's going to be a full go at quarterback. Um, I mean, just lo- look at the – like these two teams are – like one of them is kind of battle tested and one of them is not. I mean, Georgia Tech, that, that win over Florida State looks worse and worse by the day. I, I mean, they played UCF, I guess. And I don't want to overreact UCF to losing to Tulsa. I think that's a, a quality opponent. But um, they got Syracuse put it on them. Um, I know this is a weeknight uh, road favorite, which is, you know, not typically something that I, I, I like to play, but. Uh, this is not a typical, you know, home away split that we're used to. Louisville stood t- like the, the thing with Louisville. Um, I've said in the past, and, and it held true against Pitt. It got me that under. I mean, Louisville's defense isn't as bad as you think. I mean, they're 13th in the country in success rate defensively. Uh, they just give up some big plays here and there. I think one thing that's interesting about this game, in of the 70, what six teams that are playing college football right now. Uh, this, these two are 73rd and 71st in the country in turnover margin. So I think one of these teams in, in Louisville has turned the ball over a little bit as they're trying to you know, play catch up with Miami, as they're, trying to, you know, they're playing a really good defense against Pitt. The other one's just turnover prone. They got a true freshman quarterback starting, and just he might become Malik Cunningham, but right now he's a Malik Cunningham that just can't take care of the ball. I, I think Louisville, uh, with a bye week to prepare, uh, comes out and I mean, remember this is a team that we thought preseason could be like a dark horse in the ACC. I think that that not a whole lot has changed. They just played a Miami team and a pit team that, that are better than we perhaps gave credit for heading into the year. So give me Louisville um, laying the points. I think that they'll take care of Georgia Tech. I can't wait till Scout comes home one day and gives you the same spiel you give about the Louisville defense, where she's got a report card in her hand and she's got six A's and eight classes. She's like, look, Dad, I had a 75% success rate with A's. Yeah, a couple F's got through there, but, you know, still six A's. That's okay, Scout. Do what you do well. Do what you're passionate about, Scout. I'm okay with that. It's I love this game so much because we came in talking about Louisville like, hey, Yo, they might contend for the ACC championship. They got a favorable draw. They don't have to play Clemson. We got these like offensive trio back. Georgia Tech picked dead last in the preseason media poll. And all of a sudden, we're a little bit higher on Georgia Tech, thinking they're not the worst team in the ACC. But we're also a little bit lower on Louisville. They both were off last week. I mean, if if the cards can get it going against an effort-based defense, I mean, come on. Jeff Collins, what what base is it? It's effort-based defense. His <laughs> offense is both spread and pro style. Yeah, good luck. I, I I love that game though, just because of, of what genius. it means. 
Yeah, marketing genius. No, no depth chart. We just have an above the line list. We have eight offensive linemen, and they are all starters together. An above the line list, aka the ATL list. That's right, the ATL. <laughs> uh, all right, Danny, what do you where do you want to go? All right, so I'm going to give you some stats here. Florida State. They have lost six consecutive games against the spread. That's the longest active streak in the FBS. They are 4-11 and 11 against the spread. That's a 27% hit rate since the start of last season. That's worst among ACC teams and tied for six worse in the FBS. Notre Dame looks incredible. They covered their five final games last season, making them 6-1 and one against the spread over their last seven games. What does all this tell you? Florida State has no chance, right? Just brutal. No chance whatsoever. Now, I'm going to I'm going to do a little name drop for you guys. Okay? Can you guys uh can you guys make out? Let me see if I can show you without revealing any. Can you guys see that? I don't know. Can you see, Oh, can you read Oh, that is that Charlie oh, is that Charlie Ward? <laughs> that would be one CW. That's my guy. Texting me. I've been texting back and forth. He lives in Tallahassee. Wait, wait. Very dialed hey, in. Danny, yeah. was that was that Charlie Ward or Charlie Weiss? <laughs> Charlie Ward. <laughs> okay. I got right. Charlie Weiss's number if we want to uh, get him on. But I'm uh, just just wanted to clarify. Just wanted to clarify. Uh, I was coming into this week pretty down about Florida State. Rough, you know, rough performance against Miami. Looking down, get their you know get their first win, but it wasn't pretty against Jacksonville State. I'm looking at this game, and I'm kind of trying to talk myself into it. Then I see these stats. I'm like, Florida State has no chance. Charlie, here's his comment. Jordan Travis, JT, because they're tight like that, gives us a chance to win this weekend. Ian Book needs to show that he can carry a team on his arm, in my opinion. He said JT throws it better than I expected and made some good decisions with the ball as well when he got his first extended playing time. I don't think Florida State wins the game. I loved it when I get it at 21, but people are still jumping all over Notre Dame. I think you're going to get a a freed-up Florida State team mentally. Not so much pressure. No one's talking about them. The season's kind of written off. It's rebuild mode. There's nothing to lose. I think Jordan Travis... His legs will make the difference. James Blackman was taking a ton of sacks, set them in bad positions. They're in, you know, second and longs, then third and longs, and it kind of snowballs on them. Jordan Travis will be able to run around and make some plays, extend some drives, get you in better passing situations. I'm going to go with Florida State catching 20 and a half, I believe is the best I can get currently for the Knowles, taking on South uh, Notre Dame, who, by the way, feels like we haven't seen play in a month. Because yeah, it's almost 21. been that long. So I think there's going to be a little rust to kick off for Notre Dame as well. I can get 21. Yeah. Love it. So you're lucky better. my internet's working because I was able to get back on and find you 21 points. There we go. So I love it. I love your thinking because it it pairs nicely, you know, like a fine coat de Rhone with my pick. Because if Florida State covers and if there's a little bit of rust for Ian Book, then we're back where we started at the beginning of the season with Notre Dame unders. We don't trust Ian Book. We wonder if they've got enough explosiveness on the outside to be able to uh, create a lot of offense. And I think that that uh, South Florida result, more on the Bulls later, Tom. (laughs) I think that that South Florida result might be one of the best offensive performances we see from uh, the Irish all season. And so I'm not, with, with a little bit of time off, 
I'm sort of imagining that they're getting like set back to their original setting. It's going to take a little bit. And Florida State's defense is going to be tough uh, for this Notre Dame offense. I do think Notre Dame wins, but 52 is a little bit too high. I will be locking up the under 52 in Notre Dame, Florida State. I like the I like the, the play here. I like the Notre Dame or the Florida State getting points play. I just don't have this the the onions to play it because you don't have Charlie Ward. You don't have Charlie Ward in the text messages letting you know what's up. <laughs> Charlie Ward, if you're out there, hit me up. Maybe you can talk me into it. <laughs> there we go. Were you leading the workouts at Montgomery Bell Academy? The Titans workouts. Barton? No, no. Did you see our headmaster just out here snitching on the Titans? Dude, oh that's your school. That's your school, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Barton's Barton's an NBA man. Uh, <laughs> all right, Tom, where do you want to go? Uh, well, let's see. I would like to go to a place whose internet isn't crapping out constantly, but since I can't get there right now, I will go with. Did I miss any Miami Clemson picks while I was gone? No, no. you did not. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to go there to the big top ten matchup in the ACC. You don't get a whole lot of those. I'm taking Miami Clemson. Under 63 and a half. And a lot of this goes to you, Chip, something that you pointed out while we were doing HQ earlier this week in just that the way Dabo Swinney tends to approach these kind of games where he gets more conservative in these big games during the regular season because, as you said, he only cares about winning by one point. He doesn't care about putting on a show or making a point. He's just trying to win the game. And we've seen they get conservative in these type of games. So I think that with this one against the Miami team that has been very good and has looked awesome on offense, and I've said numerous times already that I think might be the second best team in the ACC, I think that they're going to have their hands full and a conservative approach would be the best way to take it. But at the same time, talking about Hurricane Delta, it, it, the rain forecast that was originally in line for this game has kind of abated a bit as the week's gone by. There's supposed to be some light rain, some possible misting, which I can live with. But what's not changing are high winds. So this is somewhat of a wonder situation as well. And I just see that Clemson's offense in the first few games really hasn't looked as sharp outside of Travis Etienne as I think that I was expecting to see coming in the year. I don't know if that's, you know, the receiver situation that nobody's really stepped up to become the alpha guy to help, you know, take take pressure off the others or what but that Clemson offense has looked good but it hasn't really looked like the Clemson offense that we're accustomed to seeing and I think that Miami with its running approach takes a lot of clock off and I also think that Miami's one of their best approaches in this game is going to be to want to keep that Clemson offense off the field so I see we're good I think we're going to see a fun game I think we're going to see a closer game than a lot of people anticipate but I don't think we're going to see a game that features 63 and a half points so I'm going under So Anna Hickey tried to talk me out of this under. She's mm-hmm. like, nah, I, I'm going to see some points. And, and I, I made a more detailed, I wrote a even more detailed breakdown of the game for CBSSports.com in this uh, week's ed- edition of the ACC chip shots. And uh, I've got 3720. That's my, uh, that's, that's a, like, I kept running it through in my head and I was like, so Miami's probably going to pop off a couple of explosive plays. And at least, you know, one of them's probably going to get into the end zone. But I do think that there's probably going to be some possessions where they move the ball and then Clemson's defense bows up and forces a field goal. And maybe we see the same situation on the other side where Dabo in this approach is a little bit more willing to be like, no, we're we're going to send BT out there, you know, BT Potter. And like, he's just going to go get it done. Maybe a couple field goals from there. So the game as you watch it, 
is going to feel like it's a high-scoring game because the ball is going to be moving up and down the field. But I think both of these defenses come up with enough stops in the red zone so that we don't see touchdowns on every red zone appearance. Again, 37-20. I, I don't hate a Clemson play, but uh, it, at my most potent, I still see the game coming up short of 60. And if you're going to give me 63 and a half, that's, uh, that's an advantageous number. So I'll take the under as well. Want to get in on it with you guys. I'm trying to use some discipline here. I like the play. I also like Clemson laying the points too. I just feel like historically, Miami, we've been in this spot. I feel like we get excited because of the rankings. We get excited, especially about teams like Miami, like Tennessee, kind of start showing you something. You want to talk yourself into they can hang. I'm not going to touch it. I'm using discipline, but I like the numbers you guys are referencing. I like the under and I like Clemson. I'm just not going to use it for a lock. I think I think I agree. I think Clemson's the right play. Um, maybe I should play it. I don't think I'm going to, but I I, I kind of you want oh, unless you want to do a little Maverick nice man, <laughs> you can talk me into Let's it. Let's go fight if some. We bigs. see some bogus out there. Yeah. <laughs> let's see. Let's see how the rest of the the all fall right. goes here. But I I, I I'm, like the more the closer we've got to it. Um, like I, the more I, I realize, yeah, I think I'm just talking myself into Miami. As like, Clemson's Clemson's been here, like they they do this. Miami doesn't. Um, but I don't know. So maybe I'm just wistful thinking that it'll be a close game. Well, I mean, to Tom's like first point, there have only been in the fifty plus uh, year history of ACC football, there have only been seventeen top ten against top ten games. And this is the first one that they've had in three years. Mm-hmm. Like it is not, uh, it is all, if they have four teams in the top 10 of this week's poll for the first time ever in ACC history. And that's because they get to count Notre Dame. Like we get top 10 against, and this, it, I almost, uh, like Danny goes to your point because it's like, if you've got more top 10 teams, then top 10 wins become more valuable. And if you lose to a top 10 team, you're not going to fall because heck that was a top 10 team. And so we're going to be in this situation where all of a sudden Miami is, a, is this going to be a, a top 10 loss? Like Miami's not going to fall, but they've got to perform well. And I think that's the interesting part there is that I'm expecting Miami to lose, but how far they fall in the rankings and what that means for the ACC and the rest of the season, whether that Clemson gets another top five uh, top 10 ACC game uh, will, will be determined. But again, it, it blew my mind. 17, only 17 in the entire history of the league. And the first one in three years is going to be this weekend. You know what? You know what I don't like? I stay away from this game. Hmm. Is Dear King is the type of player who could possibly, I, I don't believe he will, but there's a little bit of a wild card element with him that could score some points that could possibly push the over and could possibly pull off an upset. I don't think it happens, but that's to me the unknown. I want to see one more game with Derek King before I decide to be that confident. I think Clemson's the right side. I think the under's the right side. Just Derek King. We have, I don't know if we've seen like this full Derek King experience yet. I mean, we don't even get it, but he's shown flashes of it and he did it at Houston. We haven't seen it fully with Miami yet. It's the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous about this game. I just wanted to go back, Chip, to the point you were talking about that you brought up to me about how Dabo approaches these games. Because I did go back and look at the trends for Clemson in the playoff era, which is when I think the Clemson Death Star, you know, really reached its full functionality. 
in uh, 14 games against ranked teams that were played on campuses, not like the neutral site, whatever games or the conference championship games, but in 14 regular season games against ranked teams, the unders nine and five in Clemson's 14 games. Just one point. We just want to win by one point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, We've, so we've got Barton. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with – let's go to another big game this weekend. So we talk, I think we talked about most of the big games. I don't know. Maybe this isn't even a big game. I don't know why, why we're even saying They're big game. big games. Oklahoma, Texas. I mean, one of these teams isn't even ranked. The other one's barely in the top 25. Uh, the, as I approached this week's slate, I, I think Oklahoma is the better team. I think Oklahoma – I think Spencer Rattler is, is – uh, an elite quarterback. Uh, he's had some issues taking care of the football, but he is, he's special. Uh, I think that Oklahoma based on just like the eye test has looked better to this point. And really you, you can almost compare them side by side, pretty, pretty evenly in terms of who they've played. Um, I mean, the, the quality of opponent has all been very, um, you know, very similar. Um, and so, I think you can look at the numbers and, 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 and glean something from it. And so when I did look at the numbers, I don't know, like Texas's statistics, advanced numbers and things stacked up a little better than I anticipated they would. Uh, I think ultimately the difference is um, Oklahoma's got a better offense. Texas has a better defense. Uh, so as, as, I, as I got closer to the game, like I just I don't feel as confident making a play on the side but I do feel confident that this is the big 12. These two teams are bad tackling teams. These two teams have been playing loose. These two teams are getting a lot of, well, Texas certainly get a lot of penalties. And I think that these two teams have a history of this. And I think that this thing is going to get wild and loose, just like it always does. And so I know the number is big, but you know what? Like, Let's let's make big plays. So I'm gonna go over whatever I can get it at. Where we got it? Seventy two. Seventy two. Over seventy two. This is gonna be. I think someone gets in the forties. Um, maybe both teams get in the forties. I just I just think that this is these are both still offense. Like Texas's offense has been a little underwhelming to me, but Oklahoma's defense can make an underwhelming offense pretty pretty potent. So I, I and I I feel very confident Oklahoma can still move the ball. I'm disgusted that we have an <laughs> over 72 on this podcast. Just disgusting. Is anybody else getting in on it? Can't do it. The only person no. that likes to have fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I mean it's just a, a rivalry game under. I just wasn't sure if that was gonna. You're, you're like your over 72 was gonna lure Tom into the pool on this one. No. Okay. So I, I read this game as, uh, as being so much fun. And I like the fact that you're going to go with the overplay on this one, but the, uh, there's just, there's just no way that I would, I would be able to look myself in the mirror. I mean, it's, it really does come down to principles and, uh, and I, I could, I could see it being like, it feels public, right? What's, what are our numbers on this one? Because it feels like going over in Texas, Oklahoma, in uh, the rivalry game for that 12 o'clock kickoff, like it's just, it's something that a, a lot of Joes want to be a part of. 
Yeah. Correct. <laughs> That's Agreed. why I want to dodge it. No, I, and I'm with you. I get it. And and honestly, I am very. I'm still tempted to play. I think I think Oklahoma wins. Um, but I I just think that um, I think that I don't know. I'm trying to find numbers and see if there's a percentage. I can't find any. I bet you that because that numbers tick so high, it's more even than you would probably expect. I got so more. it's always a little risky to look at some of these numbers because there aren't that many bets placed yet. Right. Right. Uh, you know, I'm looking at one. It says 75% of the um, bets are on the over, which is a high percentage, but it's early. That, 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 like when you get more bets, I'll be interested to see it. I, I would bet that comes down to a little bit more evenly dispersed. I still do think the public, Joe, as Chip described him, will be wanting to see the over. It's Big 12. I'm still a little bit scarred from my underplay last week i would probably play the under i like fading the under on specifically in the big 12 when it gets so out of touch and it gets so high in the 70s but i don't hate your play i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fade you and go the other way i just i don't i don't feel that great about this to your point about to about oklahoma and and this is something we expected with spencer rattler being somebody with not a lot of experience if he eliminates a couple turnovers they're undefeated. They've been moving the ball really well, and he's just made some freshman mistakes. If he eliminates those, you know, they, they're probably off to the races. But the problem is, do you trust him to eliminate those in a game of this magnitude on the biggest stage out there? We've gone – this game's gone in 2016 and went 85. <laughs> in 2017, it went 55 uh, or 53. In 2018, it went uh, – 93 <laughs> and then 2019 it went uh what is that 61 uh, so so half two the for time two. It works every yeah. time yeah that's right that's right so i'm just what saying was your like, point you're trying no, to I, I would, I, no I, that wasn't i wasn't making a point about my play i was just saying so here's I the history flipped, i flipped this coin right and twice it came up heads and twice it came up tails so that proves that i, I know I, that, <laughs> I wasn't making a point at all i was just telling you guys what the history was it, it yeah like when it's gone big, it's gone really big. Yes. And so I, I think that this is a year it goes really big. I don't think it's a horrible pick. I just no, I'm fundamentally opposed Listen, to I it. Listen, I get it. I get it. You guys <laughs> don't do this. Like you guys don't ride these big numbers like no. I do. And you know what? There's a reason that I'm sitting in the pole position right now. Oh, <laughs> because okay. you went seven and oh. one last week <laughs> after going horrible the entire season before it. <laughs> You guys, uh, you guys, you guys feel like you're ever on, you know, sometimes you just, you need a moment to chill and, and when you need to hit the reset button, when you need to just sort of step outside and, and, uh, you're, you're done sweating those overs and unders. You just, you just need a moment and, and dirt on a Saturday, uh, especially those moments are, are hard to come by and you want to make sure you maximize them when you do. And that's when you reach for a Coors Light, it's made to chill. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what the sport is on this fall, Saturdays are going to be your time to chill. Even if your team isn't playing right now or on this particular Saturday, there's plenty of other teams and conferences and sports that are on TV that can give you the excuse to chill and drink a beer. So it doesn't even matter because Coors Light is the official beer of watching any college football team. So just flip through the channels, find a sport, and crack open a Coors Light. In fact, sometimes being uh, 
being chill on a Saturday might mean your team has an off week where you don't have to sweat. You can just sit back, grab a Coors Light. Uh, we know that it's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for any moment to unwind. Uh, you know, we've got a, a porch. You know, I could spend a lot of time inside on a Saturdays. And, and if I could step outside and breathe in that fall air and, and crack a Coors Light, it, it just is going to set me at ease after getting all wound up from, uh, from hours and hours and hours of live blogging and HQ. It's the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get at CoorsLight.com celebrate responsibly Coors Brewing Company Golden Colorado I'm gonna need a Coors Light by the time we're done recording this show <laughs> with the way my internet's going out by the way I looked it up while you were doing the ad read and there is a technician in the area doing some work so I may be experiencing some intermittent outages mm, somebody's trying to foil Tom and Somebody these winners. Barton take the over in Texas, Oklahoma, and just Tink. cut the cord. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tom, why don't, you, why don't you go next? All right, I'm going to go with my lock of the week here. Uh, just something that I saw that I couldn't believe because we saw it earlier this season, and I got a sense of deja vu. You might remember a couple weeks ago, Georgia Tech, after it beat Florida State and then got pantsed by UCF, went up to Syracuse and was a favorite against our beloved Dino Babbers and the Syracuse Orange. And I said on this show, I took Syracuse as my, you know, my money line sprinkle because there was no reason in the world for Georgia Tech to be a favorite at Syracuse. Syracuse is a much better team at home than it is on the road. And Syracuse went out and won that game by two touchdowns. Well, this week, Duke, 0-4 Duke is on the road at Syracuse. And it is a two and a half point favorite. The winless Blue Devils are a two and a half point road favorite against Syracuse, who is coming off a bye, had an extra week to prepare for this game. No, sir. Give me the Dino drop because I'm taking Syracuse plus two and a half. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, we absolutely have some. Oh. And, and because it's coming, it's going to be electric. You're in the carrier dome. The house is filled. The feeling is electric. The noise is deafening. You have a defense that is relentless. You have a special teams that has been well, well coached. coached. You have an offense that will not huddle. And you have a game that's faster than you've ever seen on turf. Open your eyes. That's going to be a reality. That's going to be Syracuse football. There's, there's no reason for Duke to be the favorite in this game. None. Love it. Yep. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you just on it? Oh, so the um, number one, what, like, I went through each of these Duke performances. Notre Dame game. I'm like, 
Man, all right, so the Boston College game was their worst. Like, worst performance of the season was the Boston College game. And Boston College, if I was to power rank Duke's opponents, is probably number four, the worst of the four opponents. But I, I throw that one out, and I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, Notre Dame, you know, you feel like uh, the offense in the first half was doing some things good, thought Chase Bryce was moving the ball well, and, you know, eventually they just weren't going to be able to score. Uh, Notre Dame pulls away to win. The Virginia game, you're like, uh, well, if they hadn't turned the ball over seven times, you know, they were inside the red zone, inside the 10-yard line with the chance to, like, score maybe into the third quarter. Virginia Tech, 38-31. I mean, you're going blow for blow with the Hokies, a team that we think is great. But at the same time, you turn the ball over seven times and you can't stop turning the ball over. And Syracuse is number one in the country in interceptions right now. Andre Cisco and that uh, secondary has been absolutely feasting uh, with picks. And so I think that the combination of Chase Bryce and a Duke offense that turns the ball over and a Syracuse defense that has been great at creating turnovers. I think that's a bad, bad matchup. Throw it in with the fact that Syracuse's offense statistically does play better in the Carrier Dome than it does on the road. And uh, yeah, I, I think wrong team is favored right here. Duke's not a bad team, though. They're going to beat Florida State on December 5th. Oh, oh, why we just got to go rub salt in the wound right now? Come on. I've been, so where did that come from? Because I've been playing the is Duke going to win a game? And so it's like, I think Duke, Duke beat Miami on the last game of the regular season last year. Duke was only a four win team at the time. What like bowl game was already lost. But again, if you just, you go into that game, if you're not dialed in. So I like, I think the Duke could beat North Carolina. I I think the Duke could beat Georgia tech. Duke could beat wake forest. There are wins on Duke's schedule, but I don't think Syracuse is one of them. I mean, good luck. Good luck with those. I mean, those are, those are not teams that I feel good about predicting. At all? You, you just picked Texas and Oklahoma. To <laughs> score points. To score points. <laughs> Two bad defenses. Uh, all right. I will uh, take us to the Big 12 where I like Texas Tech plus 12 and a half. Now, we are – let's see – we are definitely not having uh, like our quarterback situation is still very unstable. Uh, Alan Bowman still day to day with that ankle injury, but I think that it is as much of uh, a game where I am jumping on the other side of like a little bit of a letdown factor, right? Like a, a little bit of wondering whether you're going to catch uh, just a few too many points against the Iowa State team that had the the huge home win against Oklahoma, and a little bit of the cherry on top. No Big Twelve team should be favored. Period. We're going all underdogs in the Big Twelve because no Big Twelve team should be favored, especially by double digits. I just think that the Cyclones had a fantastic win, but they are not a perfect team. And so they are liable to get backdoored. They are liable to get caught in a shootout. Uh, I will be taking the 12 and a half with the red Raiders in Ames. I looked at that and I thought about it, but the, the backup quarterback thing scared me away. I feel like I've, I feel like I've been on Texas tech as a dog and then a backup quarterback has tried it out. And, and it's been like, Oh, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. Like, I feel like I've seen this, 
before. Maybe I'm imagining this, but like maybe it was last year when Alan Bowman, maybe it was the Jet, Jet Duffy experiment. Maybe it was Jared Dagey now at West Virginia. Wasn't Jared Dagey like, at Texas Tech back I, in the day? I just feel like, like I've, I've, I feel like I've gotten involved in Texas Tech plays and was got more than I bargained for uh, or less than I bargained for at the quarterback position. So because I'm not fully confident in Columbia um, and whatever their backup quarterback situation is, I stayed away. But I like the play. I like where you're at. All right. Who's up? I'll take one. I'll go to the uh, SEC. I got two plays in the SEC. I'll give you my first one here. Um, I'll st- I want to get it quick because this line has been a little bit all over the map as the game has been moved. LSU was supposed to play Missouri and Baton Rouge. They switched it over. Now they're going to Columbia. It's a noon kick. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but I believe this line opened at 19. Is that correct? Yeah, it was at or like 20? 19. It was at 19, 20, and it had actually gotten to 21 before they moved it. And now it's only 13 and a half is where yeah. I can get it. Mm-hmm. Give me the Tigers <laughs> at laying 13 and a half all day long. Like I, I, I so what? Like what? What's the? I don't understand the. Oh, there's a home field advantage, or putting LSU out that much to have to travel last minute. I don't think this is that big of a deal. I think LSU is getting better. Missouri's still a team that is struggling to find their footing with Eli Drinkwitz's system. They're changing quarterbacks. I think LSU's getting some confidence. I still think LSU is going to be closer to that team that is not. Oh, they're going to be awful this year, like everybody thought after the Mississippi State loss. They're still closer to, oh, yeah, they still have a talent, a lot of talent on this roster. Miles Brennan's getting more and more comfortable. They kind of had their get-right game against Vanderbilt. I think they have another get-right against uh, get-right game against Missouri. I'm going to lay the 13th and a half and feel really good about it. Lock agreement. Yeah, I, I felt the I had we, we have to do expert picks for the site every week, and I just sent in – my pick for the week for that game when you know the line they sent us was the 20 and a half or 21 whatever it was (laughs) and i took missouri and like two minutes later they announced the game's moving so i get an email from the editor who does it who says hey they've moved it it's now at you know 14 and i'm sitting there i had the same reaction you did it's like well how the hell is moving the game from lsu to missouri in an empty stadium worth seven points on the spread so yeah no i'm a hundred percent lock agreement I agree with you guys' uh, interpretation of like the value here, uh, and and I, I'm you're probably on the right side. But like, if, if even if take out the the opening line from the equation, when I saw it at fourteen and a half, I I've I have some Missouri temptation because mm-hmm. I do think that like I, I I just think that what we saw at LSU Week One. And what we saw at LSU Week Two against Vanderbilt is 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 a little bit like we're still very much learning about LSU. I don't think Vanderbilt fixes anything. I don't think that clarifies anything on LSU. And I, so I'm I'm just still a little bit of like a healthy skeptic on what LSU is going to be this year. And I'm I'm but I I, I kind of have no idea what Missouri is, which is why I, I would be scared to play it. But with that said, uh, that'll take me to my pick. So my pick is South Carolina laying points against Vandy Vanderbilt. Yeah. I feel, I, I kind of hate that I've, this is my role. I kind of hate that I'm like picking on Vandy every week. I just think that this is a tough season for Vanderbilt. I've said this before. I'll say it again. And this is not a, a matchup 
with South Carolina that like there's a couple teams, Tennessee included, that has had trouble with Vanderbilt in recent years. South Carolina is not one of them. Like they've covered with Vanderbilt, I think the last three times they played. I think they would have covered this number at least two of the last three times they played. And I, I think that this is a like think about think about it from South Carolina's perspective. You coming into this game, and you got an SEC only schedule. You got a coach that's sort of on the hot seat, as hot as it can be in a in a epidemic year or pandemic year, and. This is this is a game they have to win. Like they cannot overlook Vanderbilt. Like they have to be totally dialed in and focused on this game. And so I just think uh, South Carolina will be, you know, dialed in. I think Vanderbilt is still just a less talented team here. And I think South Carolina, when you like, when, when I've watched them over the last couple of weeks, sure they've lost, but they've they've looked perfectly competent to me. Like they've looked like a competitive SEC team. And I think that their offense is, is, is one that will be able to move the football on Vanderbilt. Um, and I, I think that Vanderbilt's going to continue to struggle offensively. So I just don't know where their points are going to come from. Um, I, like, I like South Carolina. Anybody else? Iceman Maverick, baby. Lock it in. Let's go get some eggs. (laughs) You remember, we do our early pick segment on CBS Sports HQ on Tuesday. And I said, find me Vanderbilt's opponent every time they play. (laughs) But it will be within reason. I think you look at South Carolina. They've And I know they're 0-2. And I'm not a believer in moral victories. I hate to have to say that. But they were in the game late against Tennessee, who's 2-0. and And if I, we talked about this Monday, and after the, if Mike Bobo shows any sense of urgency, they might have had a chance to possibly upset Georgia, or Florida in Gainesville. Like, they found a way to move the ball there. I totally agree. I, and especially if it's under 14. Like, I think this is going to be easily a two-touchdown win, probably more. But if I can get it under there at 13, lock it up all day long. Yeah, I don't think Vegas has properly adjusted to Vanderbilt yet. And right. I think that maybe they're still going out 17-12 against Texas A&M. Man, right. they look pretty good. I, I don't know where that's coming from. Yeah. Uh, all right, any, any more SEC plays? I have one. Or okay. I have two, actually. Go ahead, Tom. Okay. I got, I got more SEC plays, too. Yeah. I mean, that's all. we're all SEC plays all the time here. <laughs> I am going to take the pirate ship getting itself off the rocks i'm taking mississippi state plus two at kentucky and i feel like i've become like a huge kentucky hater this year even though that was not the intent it's just from what i've seen from kentucky through two games i'm not that enthusiastic about anything that i've seen them do they ran the ball like crazy against mississippi last weekend but i don't take doing anything on offense against that defense to be anything to note of you know for the future use and even against that defense they still struggled to move the ball through the air and i think that they've become a little too one-dimensional and the passing thing isn't there and i look at mississippi state you know you want to take mike leach when he's a dog and you want to fade him after he pulls off that big upset so the first week of the season goes and shocks the world beats lsu last week everybody's like oh here comes the air raid gonna re-revolutionize the sec and he loses to arkansas well now he's an underdog against that kentucky team and i like them a lot and especially because i mentioned kentucky's able to run the ball and not much else through two games mississippi state's run defense has been phenomenal they're allowing 1.91 yards per carry that's the best in the country 
So I look at that. I look at Leach going 29 and 19 against the spread as a dog since 2012. And I say, man, I, I, I'm with the Bulldogs this week. Give me Mississippi State. I, I like them straight up. I'm taking them plus the points, though. Any fights? I, yeah. What's my record against? I think it's two and zero against uh, Tom and Lock fight. I'm not going to go there. I'm trying. This is You're discipline. 0, yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna dodge this one. I don't agree. Um, I'm just gonna. Le- I'm just gonna leave this one lie. I'm gonna wish you luck and say let's go for the team. Be a team player. I don't. I don't like. I don't. I feel like I like. Give me your Tom. thoughts anyway. Even if you're not locking it up, I want to hear what you think. So I'm curious to see, because I think out of Ole Miss and out of Mississippi State, like Ole Miss might have a more sustainable offense, offensive philosophy in the SEC than Mike Leach's air raid. I'm curious to see if the drop eight in the coverage play zone which is what Arkansas did, if that works. And I think Kentucky will make them prove that. And I'm really curious to see if Mississippi State can shut down Kentucky's offensive attack, even without Cavassier smoke. Like but they still had you know, Terry Wilson starting to run the ball a little bit more. I just – I don't like – I don't like – I don't know. I think Kentucky gets right in this one. I don't know if I'm there with, okay, Mississippi State is going to be a team that can you know, win a lot of games this year. I don't know. I don't. I don't love the feel of this game. So good yeah. luck. I think it's a tough you. one. I, I would when it, when just without even seeing the line, I was going to lean Kentucky because I've I've just been high on Kentucky and I felt like that they you know they they started zero and two and there's a team that feels like is is good enough to have been two and zero. I'm not saying that they're the better team necessarily both games, but like they're good enough to have been two and zero, uh, and and so it just feels this feels like a too good of a team to be zero and three. And yet, I do agree with a lot of things that Tom said. And in fact, Kentucky's not had very good, um, like their defensive yeah. passive pass efficiency hasn't been good. But like Ole Miss is skewing some some stats these days. Um, <laughs> more more on that in a minute. Ooh. It's my turn. Yeah, yeah. Let's. I want to hear it now. Wait, 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 wait. to take. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, Barton will finish that thought with the Mississippi State skewing stats facts that you need in week six next old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex (laughs) heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the hyundai you've always wanted visit the hyundai getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or thirty-six thousand miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So now um, I'm going to just uh, I'm going to disgust you guys once again. You know, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go loose and wild once again. I'm gonna play another seventy point over. Actually, what is my Ole Miss Alabama number at right now? Look it up yourself. 
Um, <laughs> just so disgusting. Let's see. The you can get sixty nine and a half, which yeah. is a pretty nice number in my. It's opinion. ticking down a little bit because of weather conditions and, and things of that nature. Uh, so maybe even wait until before kick. You might even get a lower number because you might, you know, people might get scared away from some rain. But now the kick has been pushed back. Uh, I think it's a six thirty central kick now, uh, which I think meteorologist doesn't that mean like maybe less wind a little more little sun goes further down is that how uh, that works? i mean it's still the current forecast is still calling for about 10 mile an hour winds and some rain okay. all right so i don't you know maybe that's gonna that's of concern but that's not that's not how i'm gonna live my life uh this is gonna be an overplay for a number of reasons I, this is like when you look at what old miss has done on offense and what they've done to two teams defenses early in the year. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Like Florida is, is, is not a bad defense. They're sixth in the country right now in yards per play. Um, or they're six against, against South Carolina in yards per play. Um, Ole Miss was in, in the week that they played Ole Miss, they were 55th out of 57 in, in the entire nation in terms of success rate. Um, like in the, in the week that UK, Kentucky played Ole Miss, they're 58th out of 60 in defensive success rates against Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss like skews the numbers for these teams. They're, they're, they're not bad defenses, but when they play Ole Miss, they, they're, they're, they're exposed in a way that these other teams are just are not exposing them. Conversely, like I think it's, and I, I, I cite, defensive success rates and yards per play because those are the only two advanced stats that I'm smart enough to understand. But Ole Miss, in the game they played Florida, last in the country that week in yards per play. In the game it played Kentucky, last in the country defensively in success rate. So you're getting an Ole Miss defense that skews other teams' numbers offensively and skews their numbers defensively because they're so bad on, on defense and so good on offense. And then you're getting an Alabama team that is – you know who was the last in the country in yards per play last weekend? Texas A&M defensively. Like Alabama is absolutely like, I mean, they, they, they're doing what they want. And they're going to do whatever they want against this Ole Miss defense. I think a uh, little rain, a little weather you got to worry about. I get it. But I just think what, what is like Lane Kiffin's is not going to, he's going to get some points. Uh, now they may come in the fourth quarter. They may come. I don't know when they're going to come, but he's not going to try it out of there with 14 points on the board. Um, and Alabama is certainly going to – they'll name their number. So I'm taking the over in this game. Uh, finally, some overs that I like. Feels good. And uh, also, uh, of note, this is uh, – this comes Dennis recommended. This is dent, dent, dentist approved. So is this an official <laughs> dentist pick? Do I have to put it in the dot? This is the dentist pick. He, he, I, I, I had this on my ledger, and then the dentist – actually this, texted it which made me feel that much better about it this is four out of five dentists recommend four out of five dentists <laughs> recommends and all only our guys all the one that matters i love it That's right does the does the dentist do you and the dentist have uh another room in your foursome for uh for me to pull up my golf cart and, and just uh ride along for this one get in here yeah let's go lock, lock agreement because uh i think bama gets 50 right i mean it's just like and and do you think that uh, Ole Miss is going to be able to get you the rest of the way. I, th I think that answer is yes. Love it. Absolutely love it. Tom's Sorry, Tom. disgusted. Sorry to, <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you, Dad. 
I just thought I raised you boys better than this. <laughs> um, all right, I got I, so I have a theory on this game. Why I'm I had it down earlier in the week and I crossed it off. Lane Kiffin called him elderly. Yeah. Like I I and Lane Kiffin handled it, or excuse me, Nick Saban handled it perfectly. He laughed it off. But I don't know if you noticed if there was a body language expert that saw Nick Saban's hand on the podium, like you could hear it clicking the podium. (laughs) Yes. And he was trying to say, all right, I don't want to give them any. I guarantee you he went out of there and he's whoever he's talking to. He says, Sark, he's going to give them the green light and say, whatever it takes, we're going to embarrass this guy. I don't, I don't like it. I think I don't, I don't like this game now. And by the way, a lot of people were coming in on Ole Miss. This line has been moving around a little bit. It's open at 24 was all the way down to 22. And then as soon as those comments came back up to 23 and a half, 24, I don't, I don't, this game makes me a little bit nervous. I like the way you're thinking. That was the way I was thinking earlier in the week. But I also think this defense is mad. I think they like the challenge. I think Nick Saban is going to preach to his defense, hey, this is our first test. Wait till you look at what these guys have been doing. They've been putting up 600 yards. They've been upsetting people in the SEC. We need to show them who's boss. So I am not touching this one with a 10-foot So you think this could be like a 55 to, to 6? An game. embarrassing, yes. Lane Kiffin, welcome to the SEC West type of moment. I just think, I, I just think based on what we've seen so far, that that Ole Miss offense might just be too good to just go like absolutely shut them right. shut them down, and so that, right. that's kind of what I'm banking on is like people have been like pe- people have been trying to beat this team, and I mean they they have been, but it's just I think this offense is really good. All right, Tom, are you ready to do it? Is it time for the showdown? Am I ready to beat you? Yeah, sure. Go. All right, let's go. <laughs> fight, 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 fight. Loyal listeners of the program know that we drafted group of five teams. We selected. They were called to us. It was uh, it was it was like a, a ceremony where we were wandering off into the woods until a team arrived that we would adopt for this season. Tom adopted the ECU Pirates. Mike Houston, year two, Holton Aylers. The Greenville NC hometown hero and that offense. He also has to deal with that defense. I selected Clemson South, Jeff Scott, the South Florida Bulls, USF, you know, my guy, future ACC commissioner, Michael Kelly. And they are playing this weekend. And I will admit that I am. Stepping into this lock fight on principle because I am not sure that four and a half is a proper line. (laughs) I would like it if it was a pick. I would like it if we just treated this like the coin flip that it is. But no, I am going to stand by my team. I'm going to stand by one of the best secondaries in the American Athletic Conference. KJ Sales leading the way. And, uh, And I am going to lay those four and a half points for USF against DCU. You're stepping in on principle, but you'll be leaving on a stretcher chip because <laughs> ECU is going to beat the crap out of your beloved Bulls. Listen, I like Jeff Scott, and I think that he was the right hire for South Florida, and I think that program is going to be fine. But I don't know if you've noticed watching South Florida games this year. 
I really get the sense that they're taking a redshirt year in 2020. I think that Jeff Scott's just trying to see what he has and see what works. They're playing everybody and anybody at different points of the game. It kind of, you know, it, it kind of kept them in with that Citadel kept Citadel in the game and they needed that, you know, muffed punt to really make that score look better. They got trounced by Notre Dame while trying it. And I think that in this matchup against ECU, which is a team which has been horrible in the first half, like if, if anybody wants to take USF in the first half, I, I would be on that because they've they've been terrible. But in the second half of games, they've only been outscored by one point against you know UCF and then last week against I can't even remember at this point. But my point is this ECU has the better quarterback in this game. ECU, I think, has the coach who is more I'm not going to say better coach because I think they're both really good coaches, but I think Mike Houston has had more time and has a better feel for his team than Jeff Scott has for his in this kind of a strange season. So when I look at this game, I'm not just taking this on principle. I'm taking it because I think the line is wrong and I think ECU is getting too many points. And I think ECU has a very good shot of winning this thing outright. So I'm going to take the points ECU plus four and a half thoughts and prayers to your bulls chip. Mm. Glenn Spencer, defensive coordinator for USF, is going to have all the answers for Holton Nailers. Charlie Weiss Jr. is going to have all the right calls for the Bulls. You sure? <laughs> Daqu- I, saw, I, didn't, I didn't see much of a decided schematic advantage when they were playing Notre Dame a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Daquan Bowers, Joey King. I mean, just an all-star staff there in Tampa. They know this is their Super Bowl. No more tanking mentality. You go and get this W against the Pirates. Go Bulls. All right. <laughs> we we knew that we were going to have it. That was that was part of the pitch in the mailbag question. It was like you guys got to stand by mm-hmm. your squad, and when they're facing off, we're throwing it down. Uh, hey, congratulations on a couple really strong practices there at Buffalo, Barton. Yeah, well, hey, we're we're coming. We're going to have the spotlight on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights. So get your oat milk vodka ready. We're all going to dial it up for that. Uh all right, I think I'm out. I got one more log that I'm thinking about, and then of course moneyline sprinkles. But uh, I'm 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 out for a little bit. How many how how many are y'all looking at? I got I've one got, more. I got at least one, maybe two. Okay. So go ahead, Tom. All right. Well, I'll two. start. I'll start with my definite. Then I'm going with. Uh, let me see where the numbers at right now because it might have moved since. Nope, I could still get it. I'm taking the under 44 in Pitt at Boston College. <laughs> I love it because I mean, do I really need to explain this? No, one? You no. Don't. no, no, you guys. I was just like, I mean, when you came out of your mouth, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like two offenses that really haven't done a whole lot versus two defenses that have been pretty good. Just, I mean, yeah, under forty-four, Pitt, BC. There we go. Lock it up. I actually have a similar exp. I, I'm gonna, I am going to toss this game out there and present it and see if anybody is gonna veto it for me and tell me that I'm being uh, like not smart here on this play because I don't understand this line. I don't really get it. The the play is Florida minus six and a half. What, what have we seen out of Texas A&M that makes us believe that they are within a touchdown of Florida? I, I, we thought we thought they were before the season. Sure. But they were, their, their defensive backs got absolutely torched by Alabama. They didn't look good against Vanderbilt. Their offense is, is 
I don't know, like uninspiring. I, I, I just, I don't really get this. Like it seems a little bit of a fishy line to me, but maybe, maybe I'm looking at this from the wrong perspective. So I'm, I'm offering myself up to the committee here to see if I'm, I'm being led astray. I had this game down as a Gator lock. And I told you guys, I was kind of, I, I was my love affair with the Gators. I fell out of love with them after what I watched last weekend. I thought they were going to cover easily versus South Carolina. They didn't. This has to be about Florida's defense, right? Because it clearly isn't about their offense. who we think should be able to put up a ton of points against Texas A&M. But to your point, Barton, I mean, I'm not that impressed with Texas A&M's offensive attack. Like, I don't think they're going to be able to go out there and go toe-to-toe. Like, I think you'll easily, I think Florida will put up 30-plus. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M, are they going to be able to put up that many? I don't, I don't, I think it's got to be about Florida's defense. And I don't think Florida's defense is as bad you gave some of the numbers against Mississippi. Like I, I don't, I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be. Yes, they have a long way to go if they want to beat Georgia, but in this game, I, I like your play. So <clears throat> I think I was one of the people that said, "Hey, maybe A and M's gonna be really good this year. They're, you know, they're more talented. Jimbo's got his guys in. They've recruited well, and um, and with that preseason." expectation then this would be this line would make sense and this game would be uh, an upset potential but I think that I and other people that have that talking point were just wrong like this just doesn't look like that good of a team and it doesn't help that their best receivers have basically have either opted out or been injured but it's still this is where we are so I guess I'm gonna go ahead and play it sounds like no one's gonna talk me out of it Florida minus six and a half I think it's the right side I just think it would be hilarious if Florida lost like I just, I, as, I, as I a Georgia, that, like, as a Georgia Homer, you know, and as, as somebody who's really upset a lot of Florida fans with my Florida takes, if in one of the two games on that schedule, that looks like it could be a loss. If Kyle Trask walks into Kyle field, the building that he was named after right. and they lose, like not just, not just not cover, but like if, if they lose, I just think it would be hilarious. Yeah. If they so, lose, then like, I'll just, I, I will, I'll be, fine eating that because that's just all right a&m showed up congratulations that wasn't the team we saw so and, and a shout out to our friend and loyal listener hakeem dermish i'd ask you barton to refer to them kyle trask and kyle pitts as the super swamp brothers that, yeah <laughs> super swamp brothers yeah yep. is that is this hakeem coining that yeah. phrase yeah okay. yes Second. He wants he wants to make it uh, part of the lexicon, and I, I think that we can amplify that message. Mm-hmm. I mean, the super swamp brothers sounds really good. Yeah, super swamp brothers. Why not just the swamp brothers? We could go on super on top of it. Well, super smash brothers. Yeah. Oh, oh, is that what is that what <laughs> it derives from? Yeah. Okay, I got it. All right. Sorry, while you were playing football, I was playing video games. <laughs> uh, okay. What else? Right, I, I got another yeah. one. In the SEC. Uh, I'm looking at Auburn taking on Arkansas at home. Ooh, I'm interested where you're going here. So Bo Nix, story Bo Nix's career is up and down. Let's sum it up even simpler than that. He struggles versus good teams. He excels versus bad teams. And it's all over his resume. It's all over this season as well. Three touchdowns versus Kentucky, then lays an egg versus Auburn. Doesn't play that good. Uh, Doesn't play that well versus uh, Georgia. I think they're going to get the better version of Bo Nix versus Arkansas. I can get it at 13 and a half. There's another reason 
Auburn fans, they've already, they're not real thrilled about the extension they gave Gus Malzahn. They're checking buyout numbers and the like. But there is a reason because Gus Malzahn is kind of similar to Bo Nix. Wins the game he should and wins impressively. Every once in a while, sprinkle in, sprinkle in a big win. And, you know, you, that's where you get the justification there. But I think this is a game where Auburn dominates Arkansas. I just – I don't – I get it. Arkansas beat Mississippi State. They got their first win in, in 20 tries in the SEC. But I think you kind of revert back to, okay, Arkansas has a long way to go. KJ Costello had a few interceptions in that game. They figured out Mississippi State. Congrats. Again, I still think Mississippi State has a long way to go. Auburn is 8-2 and two against the spread in their last 10 home games. They're 7-1 and one against the spread in their last eight as home favorites. They've scored at least 50 points in six of their last eight versus unranked opponents, including last year uh, against Arkansas. They put up 50. They've scored 30-plus in each of the last seven versus Arkansas. Felipe Franks, you, you start getting into a shootout. Good luck. I, I just think Auburn's going to roll in this one and get back on track. So I'm going to lay the 13-and-a-half with Auburn. Chad Morris revenge game. Mm. Yeah, I, I – this favorite has covered the last seven meetings in this series. So that, that helps you too. Um, I'm also on this game, but I'm, I'm not on the spread. I'm actually on the under, which I can get at, let me see. I can get it at 48. So yeah, I'm, I'm on the under 48 here simply because I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think this is going to be a better game for Auburn and I like them against the spread on either side. It's just my concern with taking them against the spread is that, Hey, the Arkansas defense has looked pretty decent through the first two weeks. I think that played a role, more of a role in the Georgia game than I think a lot of us thought at first when we were just kind of pinning it on Georgia. And B, I just don't have a lot of faith in Auburn's offensive line. And it's hard to score points if your offensive line isn't blocking for you. And I'm not, I haven't seen Auburn really show you an ability to do that through its first two games. So I'm concerned of how explosive or lack of explosive plays that that offense has had to this point, which makes me scared to have them cover the spread, but it does make the under look a little bit better. Also through two games, these two teams have not really been running a lot of plays per game. They're not moving at the quickest pace. They're actually moving slower than I anticipated them doing. And I don't know if that's just them trying to being in bad situations that haven't allowed them to do it against, you know, teams where they don't want to, they want to make sure they keep their offense off the field or at least give their defense time to rest or what. But I just feel like these have been lower possession games for these teams that I anticipated, and that's going to lead to a lower score. So I think the under is the best play here, but I'm also with you. If I'm taking the spread, I would take Auburn. Um, okay. I was going to leave this one. In fact, I, I made, made some late adjustments to my money line sprinkles and, uh, one of my money line sprinkles has now, I'm just going to pull it back into a, a log to throw on the fire here. I'm going to, Oh, I'm going to take Devin Leary in the NC state Wolfpack plus what do we get? Like eight and a half, nine. Yeah. Let me see. Uh -huh. Yeah. You can get nine. Virginia looked good against Clemson. Virginia played well against Clemson. You know, Andrew Booth had that crazy interception in the end zone. Um, you know, they they were never going to win that game, but I, I think Virginia came out of that game with a lot of confidence. But NC State came out of the pit game showing that it is not just a running team, showing that Devin Leary, uh, Kerry Angeline, Emeka Mezzi, they've got some some good targets. I I wanted to go plus 240, but as I've been playing it out in my head, the Law of the Wolf, shout out to Joe Giglio, um, 999 The Fan. The Law of the Wolf is 
When you expect the most, you get the least. And when you expect the least, you get the most. And to follow up the pit win with another like touchdown plus upset win against like uh, that Bronco Mendenhall program, which the floor has just been raised. I mean, that's just what I've seen there. So I, I like NC State to be able to hang around, to be able to make it interesting, but it kind of feels like the game where they might get their heart ripped out. So give me the eight and a half as some padding right there. I like I like that. It's going to be fun to watch. It's a great game. Very excited <laughs> about that one. Uh, all right, I'm, I'm all out until Moneyline Sprinkles. Same. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Moneyline Sprinkle scoring report. Right now, Tom is ahead, 2-1 record, 2.95 units. Danny at 2-1 also, but 2.15 units. Barton, 0-1. That's not true. That's not updated. 1-1. Oh, yeah, one one. yeah, I never updated that. My bad. Okay. Uh, so plus 1.25 units. Plus 1.25 units and ship 1-3 minus 1.7 units. Tom, what's your sprinkle? I'm following your lead because you took two last week, and I've got two this week. My first one I think will be obvious. I'm taking Syracuse plus 115 because I do think that they're going to win outright at home against Duke, just like they won outright at home against Georgia Tech a few weeks ago. And ironically enough, Chip, maybe you're a coward, but I'm not. I'm taking NC State plus 260. I, I just think, I mean, there's a very good chance that NC State's going to win this game. I haven't seen anything from Virginia that makes me think that it's a sure thing in this game. It should be that heavy of a you know favorite, both on the spread and on the money line. I'm not taking it on the spread, though it was on the card. It just got left off. But I do think that NC State wins this game often enough to justify that price. All right, Danny. Uh, we talked about this game earlier. I... I've been on the North Carolina bandwagon. I'm getting off while I can. Uh, Justin Fuente, we've heard the frustration in his voice. All these guys, who's practicing? Who was the key to their turnaround last season who came in to play quarterback? Hendon Hooker is, quote, a full go for this game. Routed off six wins in a row last year. I don't know. North Carolina has been underwhelming. Sam Howe's been a little bit of a sophomore slump. Weather issues. We talked about the rain. Virginia Tech won this game last year. I think if Virginia Tech, this is the one thing that I'm not 100% sure of, but I'm kind of going to trust timelines and say they're getting more guys back and they've been practicing more, but not a lot. That's the thing that makes me nervous. I think Virginia Tech wins this game outright. What are you at? Plus 170-ish? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Lock it up. Don't hate if, it. If the Soviet Union hadn't already crumbled, it would <laughs> at this point because I'm hopping on this thing too. Let's, <laughs> let's freaking roll. I think this is, I'm not sure about the line. Like, I don't know. It, I mean, certainly I could see North Carolina covering, but I, I think this is, like I talked about, this is kind of one of those crazy games where it's, it's, I think it's just as reasonable for Virginia Tech to win outright as it is for North Carolina to cover the spread, if, if not more so. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take that 170. I've even seen 175, but whatever, whatever the book's giving me, I'll take it. Uh, lock it up. Tom, what what is it? 170? No, 170 is the best I could find. All right, so uh, first one, I am going to go to, again, I kind of like that play. Um, (laughs) First one, let's go Texas plus 110. Final Red River shootout for the iconic Texas quarterback, Sam Ellinger. Uh, Big game Tom Herman. This is uh, is a game that everybody in Austin needs this one. Need it. Capital N, need it. 
So Texas plus 110. And since I took NC State off, I do have a substitute. And it's because it would be hilarious. It's Texas A&M plus 205. Let's freaking go. This Texas A&M team, which has showed us no reason why it should even be a seven-point dog in this game. But if Florida loses, it would be hilarious. It would be very, very funny. If Mike Elko has got the, he's got the secret sauce to be able to slow down the Super Swamp Brothers. Because it's not like we would come out of it being like, Texas A&M's back. Texas A&M is an SEC West contender. The only fallout would be like, well, Florida just blew it. Like, I would even still think Florida was good, right? I wouldn't even I wouldn't even change my rating necessarily of Florida. You just, you blew it. And it would be hilarious. So give I me Texas A&M. I could see a hilarious scenario unfolding where Florida could lose and then beat Georgia still. Yes, agree. You know, like, I think that could be... Like that, and we thought we've seen the Big Twelve go through the mar- their mayhem. Everybody's you know kicking them while they're down. I keep giving a word of caution to every other fan base or every other conference and say, you haven't seen the chaos in your conference yet, but it could be coming. Mm, love it. Uh, okay, real quickly, Tom. He's got Mississippi State plus two, Tennessee plus 12 and a half, the under in Miami Clemson at 63 and a half, Syracuse plus two and a half, LSU minus 13 and a half, the Pitt Boston College under 44, ECU plus four and a half at USF, Arkansas Auburn under 48, Barton, Tennessee Georgia under 43 and a half, Louisville minus four and a half, that's a Friday night, go and get it, uh, Oklahoma Texas over 72, South Carolina minus 13 at Vandy, Florida minus six and a half at AM, Alabama Ole Miss over. Chip, the over 59 and a half in North Carolina, Virginia Tech, the under 52 in Florida State, Notre Dame, the under 63 and a half Miami Clemson, Syracuse plus two and a half, Texas Tech plus 12 and a half, the over in Alabama Ole Miss, USF minus four and a half, NC State plus nine, and Danny, Tennessee, Georgia under 43 and a half, Georgia minus 12 and a half, Florida State plus 21, go Knowles, South Carolina minus 13 uh, at Vandy, LSU minus 13 and a half at Mizzou, and the Auburn Tigers land 13 and a half against Arkansas. What a board. I love it. I love every bit of it. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? It is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.